Welcome to the Happy Pill Podcast. I'm Ursula Yerdun. In each episode, you're going to hear me share my story while offering information and resources while you continue on your journey of surpassing the effects of abuse and depression. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some very special guests who are going to share their journey and processes because my way is not the only way of healing. And the more information we have, the more we can share with one another. My hope is that you find love, inspiration, and purpose for your life. So let's get started. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Happy Pill Podcast. As always, I am very happy and thrilled that you are here. Today, I am with a special guest, Haley Gislison. Haley is a nonprofit housing communicator, a social justice advocate, which I definitely uh, figured that out, a superhero fan. She watches a lot of TED Talks, and she is the author of the graphic novel Demons of Angels. So thank you for coming on to the show. Like, I'm, I'm so stoked to talk about this and definitely talk about your book. Yeah, so, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> totally. This is, this is going to be amazing. Honestly, I'm, I've been really stoked about this interview for quite a while. And then we had three months away and we didn't even (laughs) talk about anything. So I'm excited to. Yay, 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 yay. And I think this will be really interesting for our listeners because this, um, your book is to me like revolutionary, right? It's one that needs to be talked about, uh, one that needs to be shown. And you just went and man, you, I was stunned. I think I told you that when I read your book, like Mm -hmm. I was just stunned, um, reading this, this graphic novel about, um, abused women. And, you know, like I, obviously I can relate to it. There's a lot of listeners that are actually relating to this. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that book, but I wanted to talk to you first about how you even got to that stage. Mm -hmm. You know, what was going on in your world and your life that would get you to write this like amazing novel. So you're cool with that. Absolutely. Okay. So as I always ask, you feel safe in sharing your story. I do. You do? I do. Okay. (laughs) Let's dive in. We're going for it. Why do you want to share your story? Why do you want people to listen to this? Um, Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there. Like I grew up in what I would describe as a very traditional, conservative, small, wholesome, straight, white town (laughs) of like all of 2000 people. So um, I grew up in this culture of like straight culture and uh, a lot of issues were not talked about. Like it's, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like I grew up in the nineties and, um, and then I guess later on in life, I kind of figured out who I am, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm a lesbian and all these things that took me a long time to kind of go through the evolution to get to that point. And so there really is a lot to unpack there. And I think um, a lot of it comes out in the book. Like this book is very much representative of who I am uh, and what I spend my time thinking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there, but I think it's important. Like I think people do relate and it's just been not talked about for so long that we sort of reached this like groundswell mov- mo- uh, movement, like with the Me Too movement and, right. and things Time's like that. Up. And it's, yeah. um, it's starting to be talked about more, which is fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I mean, as my listeners know, I'm a proponent of, you know, keeping this conversation going, you know, because everybody can relate to something. And when I read your novel, you know, I even texted you, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you wrote about an experience that I actually had, which was shocking to me. It was so surreal. Um, yeah, it's amazing because here we, here, it was the first thing we were just talking about. How do we get from small town conservative straight girl to lesbian writing a queer vigilante hero protecting abused women novel? Yeah. Okay. Which is lovely. It's so true. It's so true though. So, okay. So kind of describe this traditional world that you grew up in. Because what is tradition to you? Because some people, like we've got listeners from Europe and in like Turkey and Egypt and stuff like that. They're like, well, I don't know what traditional is, you know, especially for Canadians. Mm-hmm. What is that for you? Um, I think for me, it was just a really wholesome upbringing. You know, like everyone in my town was white, except for like the two adopted kids. <laughs> we had like the one Chinese restaurant. And other than that, like just everyone was the same and they talk the same and they think the same things and they talk about the same things and it's all small talk. And again, like growing up in the 90s and this is like pre-internet, right? So we didn't have this platform where we could all share our stories and talk to each other and realize just how big the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a really small world where we just didn't really think outside of our box. Right. And, you know, like we played a lot of sports and other than that, there's just not much going on there. Like there's no diversity. There was definitely no, I mean, I'm sh- absolutely sure there was gay people, but no one was out. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't talked about. Like for me, when Ellen came out in 1997, that was like, oh, like the world's first gay person. Like, you know, like <laughs> obviously I didn't think that, but yeah. that's kind of how it felt is like, oh, someone I've heard of is gay. And right. other than that, like I'd never, ever heard of anyone being gay or Mm -hmm. you know so there's just a whole world of diversity that just did not exist and we didn't think about it right now were you already out at that time no I I wouldn't come out uh, I don't even really use the word out I didn't even realize that I was gay until I was 27 years old Mm -hmm. and so and I think around maybe age 20 I, I got curious about women but it took another seven years and you know different life experiences to get to the point where that's who I knew I was. Right. But growing up in this straight culture, like I was giddy about boys in high school, like just like every other girl, because I didn't even question whether, Mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't question whether I liked women or not. That just didn't ever come up. Did you ever feel that, that you were supposed to be into boys because that was the culture? I think like, that's definitely what happened, but I didn't even think about it, if that makes sense. Okay. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Like, I thought that I liked boys. Right. Like, I, there was no, in the back of my mind, there was no, I'm supposed to do this. It was, I do, like, I, I just, I wasn't open-minded enough at the time to even question my sexuality. Right. Because it wasn't talked about and it wasn't part of your world. Exactly. Right. So it was a very straight white world. So that was all you knew, but did you have any, um, any other inklings? You said not until maybe you're 20 or something. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in hindsight, like my, my bedroom when I was growing up would have been like 99% posters of really sexy female celebrities. And so like, (laughs) you know, like the signs were there. But no one, and I'm, I'm quite feminine. Like I'm right. 
I would identify as like a lipstick lesbian now, but um, so yeah. Whatever like, label works for you people, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that like even everyone who knows me, they're all quite shocked. Like there were not really any signs other than, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I've always kind of gravitated towards admiring women, but mm-hmm. I never thought of them in a sexual way until my 20s. Right. Yeah. So now generally, um, I'd like to kind of talk about what happens within the childhood, because obviously this is about, you know, we're talking about depression and anxiety and all of those kind of things. And we'll Mm -hmm. certainly get to your novel. Did you experience any of that being raised in this traditional culture? I don't think I did as a child, just again, because I didn't even think about it. I think I probably went through some of that in my 20s when I became more open-minded and started to think more about who I am and the world that I live in. And I think the key word here is patriarchy. We all grew up in a patriarchy. And Mm -hmm. somewhere in my 20s, I got very aware of that and very upset about that. Um, And I think most women can relate to that or most uh, or people of color or like anyone who's felt... Like they don't fit into this mainstream straight white world that right. that we live in. Yeah. So how was that dating guys? Because you dated guys when you were younger, then yes. I did. Yeah, I've yeah. dated a lot of guys. Um, well, it's and I think this came up when we when we first talked. Like when I was in high school, um, I was just as giddy about boys as every other girl, mm-hmm. and and like in hindsight, I was quite upset with them because. Like, I grew up in this town where I knew the boys that I went to high school with since kindergarten. Like, we were good friends. Like, these were right. These were my friends. Right. And then when we got to high school, like, you know, teenage boys, they uh, something happens to them and... Testosterone <laughs> they, kicks in. <laughs> they just, when it came to dating and when it came to, you know, any kind of sexual experiences... I'm very disappointed in in how they behaved. Like a, a lot of them, not all of them, not mm-hmm. all of them, but a lot of them, it's like, these are my friends and suddenly they're treating me and my girlfriends like garbage. So you were friends with them when you were growing up mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden something switched. Did you notice I mean, we're, anything? We're still friends going through all these experiences in high school. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just somewhere in there, you just start to realize that there's there's a gap <laughs> between how men and women or boys and girls think about sex and these kinds of experiences. And, right. um, this is kind of where I started to realize, you know, a lot of things came up, like not necessarily rape, but manipulation, coercion, mm-hmm. you know, watching boys make sure that women have a lot to drink, you know, at that party. Oh, so that's that, terrible. Yeah, like that kind of behavior, like it all sits on the rape spectrum right. and they, most of them were guilty of it, but it's kind of like a, we didn't know, like the word consent didn't exist yet right? as far as we knew. Like it wasn't in sex, like sex ed was like one, one day, <laughs> like a half day right. course yeah. in like grade four and then maybe again in grade nine and that was it. Wow, like, grade four already. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Or okay. I don't even remember what grade, but right. The right. point is like that should be like an ongoing like grades K to twelve. Like that should be talked about, but it's not. Yeah. Because there's and a did, stigma around it. Oh, absolutely. And 
And you can, again, if you're not ready for these questions, you can always say no and we can move on. But um, did you ever witness anything or did something happen to you to notice this change going on? Uh, things happened to, I would say, 100% of the females that I knew. Like You mean like sexual assault? Some Something that would be on the spectrum, yes. Right. Wow. And like even I, like I remember being catcalled by a complete stranger, a guy who was like 30 years old when I was 13. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like just that kind of stuff. Like as a female in this world, you just notice right. it. <laughs> right. And as you grow up, you get less and less naive about it. Right. So that must have freaked you out already at 13. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Did you tell anybody about it? Like, was anybody listening? I don't think I did. No, I think it's interesting. Like, I think I already knew at even at that age that this was normal. This was normalized. And this is just life. This is wow. what Yeah. this is the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can I can relate to that. So um, nothing, nothing that dramatic had happened to you, though, did it? Uh. Like, I wouldn't say that I've ever been raped, but I would say that definitely I've been manipulated and coerced. And there's a lot of things that, ha like, I think that uh, women or, like, girls when they're teenagers um, are very naive <laughs> about, mm -hmm. and maybe not all of them, but I, I would say that I certainly was quite mm -hmm. naive about what boys thought of me or what boys thought of the opposite sex and what they wanted out of us. And, yeah. and then, uh, and then you layer on things like peer pressure, like, Oh, like the star of the football team likes me. And how do I make sure that I keep his attention? And you know, mm -hmm. like that, that kind of peer pressure. Very that st just, stereotypical too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and so how did you, how did you deal with that? Those experiences? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that it, like, I would use the word deal. Like, I, I guess, like, my girlfriends and I, we would get together and we would talk about these things. Right. And, you know, we'd be upset or we would be upset on behalf of another girlfriend where something really mm -hmm. shitty happened to her. But, like, there was never, you know, like, it's not like we went to adults and, like, told them it, and nothing would have been done anyway. It would have been a boys will be boys kind of a response. Oh, God. So, God. We know who says that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so did, so your friends were supportive, but were your family supportive of you? Cause you said you didn't, you didn't tell your, your parents. No, I wouldn't have ever talked about that with my parents. Oh, is there any, any reason why? I, Anything like that you I do now, like okay. I'll say like, you know, oh, teenage boys are the worst. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I have some opinions about, right. and again, not all boys. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely a culture. Right. Um, Good news is it seems to be getting better, although I'm not in high school anymore, obviously, so mm -hmm. it's hard to say, but. Mm -hmm. So did you have any feelings of anxiety or depression during that time, or was this now starting to create almost like a, almost like a vigilante attitude? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a, a little, little bit of all of that. Um, right. I think every female goes through some form of, low self-esteem. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely normal in, you know, within the context of the world we live in mm -hmm. and, you know, all these, like just the way the world views women and puts value on our looks and our sexuality and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, I, 
it would be hard to imagine someone who doesn't succumb to some sort of depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. low self-esteem about that. Yeah. Um, the good news is, you know, as, as you get older, you get more mindful of the world you live in and just, yeah, you, you find yourself. Right. And when you find yourself, that's where the confidence and the, you know, the empowerment and all that kind of stuff comes in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so how long did you live out, um, in this small community? Uh, I moved away when I was 18. So right after high school, I moved to Calgary. Okay. And so now you're in a bigger center. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that same kind of culture, that very traditional white, um, culture? Um, Calgary was definitely, it opened my eyes in terms of diversity. Like there's obviously way more people of color and people with all different kinds of worldviews and experiences and people from all over the world. Like it was very different than where I grew up. Um, still obviously a patriarchy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, still, I, I, even when I moved here in Calgary, I still was dating men at the time and still noticed all of those same things where didn't always feel respected or I felt, you know, like, mm-hmm. like there's not, yeah. So you didn't feel equal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a great way to put it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so was this then starting to, because you talk about patriarchy and I know from our, our previous, like our prep session that this is is a pretty important topic to Mm -hmm. you. Um, so when you're now into the city and you're seeing, um, more of a vibrant culture, but there's still this other issues going on, what was going through your mind? Like, were you struggling going, wait, this is what I grew up with. So this is maybe what I should, maybe or should not be. And being pulled into this new diverse culture, like, was that conflicting for you at all? I don't know that I would describe it that way. Like, I, I don't think I really just put any thought into it. It mm-hmm. was just like, oh, this is, this is different, but I'm just going to live my life. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I would put it that way. And I still hadn't, um, you know, in terms of LGBT representation, I still hadn't met a lot of People like, like later on in life, I would work at a bar and I would find a lot more open-minded people, mm-hmm. um, colleagues and such that I worked with that kind of helped me right. open my mind a bit. But Right. So did this start to affect your relationships um, at all with men? Uh, y- uh, yes. So, well, I dated a guy from like age 20 to 23 or 24 Mm -hmm. and it was after I broke up with him that I started to really like you know we were in a committed relationship and I didn't I knew that I was curious about women but I didn't really go there because I was in this this relationship and when I got out of that relationship and I was working in a bar with really open-minded people that's kind of where I started to explore a bit so I dated men and I dated women and I just started to notice that I had no feelings for men like it just wasn't there oh okay. and I had some trust issues with them as well right which I'm, which I'm is, sure lots of women can relate to it seems quite natural yeah mm-hmm. when you're going through um the issues that you've gone through and I and when I say trust issues I don't mean like oh I'm scared he's gonna cheat on me because anyone can cheat on anyone like that's not a gender related problem mm-hmm. um but I think that there are some very gender related things that come up in an opposite sex relationship that don't happen in in a same-sex relationship. Do you want to explain that? Um, <laughs> it's kind of tricky to explain, but it's just, there's just this air of 
of knowing that society views your genders differently. And so even if you date a really great guy who has every intention of treating you equally, the fact is that the world doesn't view you equally. And mm. so... Mm-hmm. You know, like I've like even that that guy that I mentioned earlier that I dated for three years, um, like there were moments where he used my gender against me, in, you know, in a way that a woman could never do. And I I don't really want to get into that. But OK, fair enough. Um, yeah. So. OK, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Is this um, because I'm, I'm wanting to bridge this now? OK, so you you're interested in women mm-hmm. um, at this point and you just said that all of a sudden you didn't have feelings for men mm-hmm. so that just so describe that that moment or that time when why do you think or feel that it all of a sudden just stopped with men is it because of all the build-up and the inequality and the patriarchy that was like okay that's it i'm done or maybe it's a bit of both or you know it comes into being oh i'm really kind of enjoying women i'm attracted i don't know why Mm-hmm. Like, can you kind of explain that time? Um, it was definitely all of the above. Um, oh, I nailed it. Okay. Yeah, no, we're you done. nailed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just being very aware of uh, inequalities between genders and not being interested in, in dealing with that anymore. Um, like, it, it, I've even been in relationships where I wouldn't, uh, like, I've never been hit by a guy, but there have been domestic abuse type situations where like I just I felt a fear that I wouldn't feel with a woman right and I like it's really hard to explain that like a a woman could hit you and like Mm -hmm. there is that kind of violence that exists but it wouldn't instill the same fear in me that that it did with men right that's interesting Um, Yeah. yeah so there's a bit of that and then there was also just Women are really sexy. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm being really honest, yeah, like they're just really very attractive creatures. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they just gave me butterflies in a way that men never did. Right. And you didn't have that growing up, but now, now you do. Was mm-hmm. it because it's more accepting being in a bigger city and a bigger culture? Definitely. I don't think I would have found myself the same way that I did um, if I wasn't in Calgary and surrounded by more open-minded people. Um, yeah, I don't think my, my journey would have been very different, I think. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Cause I know, I know for me, like I, I completely understand what you're talking about. And for me with all the abuse and trauma that I've gone through, I know it altered my sexuality, mm-hmm. which is something I'm going to talk about later in the podcast, but it's, it's, it's important to talk about because mm-hmm. it's not really talked about and yet it's, it's okay to have happen. And for you, it doesn't seem like it was necessarily like in the way that it was for me, it was just like, you're tired of this. And then you, you just found women to be, wow, like that's, that's oh, like, I'm over there. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it was a little bit, a little bit clearer yeah, of, of sure. a line for you. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so this just, it wasn't the choice. Like for me, I think this was something we talked about in a prep about it actually being a choice, right? Whereas, um, and this was a really interesting point when we were talking about it before because I know for me it actually did become a choice Mm -hmm. right and it was a choice to be safe for one and I'm not saying that women can't be violent and aggressive because Mm -hmm. you know they can just like men do but it's different the relationship um with a woman to me feels different than being in a relationship with a man I have Mm -hmm. obviously more fears Mm -hmm. you know and that makes more sense um 
but for me it becomes a choice. So it's like some people are always about like, well, I knew, I always knew my, <laughs> one of my friends is Mr. Gay Canada for 20, 2019. <laughs> so he, he always knew, right. Mm-hmm. He always knew, but for me it wasn't. And it sounds like like for you, it wasn't either because you didn't always know. Right. So, and it, it did become a choice. This is something that we had talked about. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot to say on that vein, actually. Like, uh, looking back, I do, like, I do think I was born this way, but I also think that there is, in a, in a completely different world, I think I actually would be bisexual. Like, if we, if we lived in an equal world where there was no rape and there was no domestic abuse and there was no... No patriarchy. <laughs> no patriarchy and no inequality at all, mm-hmm. I think I would be far more open to dating pretty much anybody. Um, but given, given the context of the world in which we live, I have just shut down finding men attractive. Uh, Like I, you know, like I can, I can look at an attractive man and be like, I understand that most women would find him attractive, but Mm -hmm. I just don't. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah. So there, there is a bit of that for sure. There's a bit of like, I, I do remember, um, when I was 27, I was still dating men and women but I kind of came to the conclusion that, okay, I really like women. And I was almost using men as a crutch. Like I was having a really hard time meeting a woman that I was attracted to and vice versa. And, and so I just, you know, in the meantime, I fell back to men and I felt like I had to make the choice. Like I need to cut men out of my life in order to properly pursue women. If that makes any oh, sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Um, and it's fair. There, there's no judgment. Um, so there, anyway. there was a, an active choice. Like, okay, I officially am done with men. I even like gave some of my condoms to my roommate because I was like, <laughs> this is like, here, you use it. Here's the iconic moment where I'm done with these and, <laughs> and so I'm going to try really, I'm going to go to gay bars and I'm going to, so. Was your roommate a man? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Just checking. <laughs> So okay, here's a here's a gift. It's a donation. You don't have to go buy anything. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I I absolutely fully respect that. I mean, and we're not here to judge and criticize and and blame men. We're just no, absolutely not. And I have a lot of amazing guy friends, mm-hmm. and, and and I have a brother, and I have a stepbrother, and I have a great father. Like I have so many amazing men in my life. Like mm-hmm. I want to make it clear that I do love men. I just don't love dating them. Yeah, fair enough. And that's just my that, personal preference. <laughs> that is absolutely fair enough. And I and I don't think you're the only woman to ever, you know, to, to feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just important to talk about it because there may be other women that are in your situation that feel the same, the exact same thing. And wait, well, if Haley can do it, maybe I can do it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just finding what is going to work for you, what feels best to you. Because mm-hmm. it's always absolutely. about... Yeah, it's always about you feeling good, you know. So I unequivocally, I absolutely respect that decision. And it's nice to actually talk with someone who also says that it's like a choice, mm-hmm. right? Because this, like I said, is not talked about <laughs> at all. And so, because I felt like for the longest time that it's just me and like, oh my God, I'm the one. I have to put up the choice. I wasn't born this way. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not transitioning in anything and just going... I made a decision, you mm-hmm. know, based on my history of it and in truth, my fear and just said, no, I, I need to, I need to transition. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things, cause we're coming up to your story here, um, where this is where, 
um, I think some of your story idea started to come through or, or um, start to take place where you had said something about wanting to right wrongs, mm-hmm. right? And so where did that start? When and where did that start? You know, I don't know. I feel like I've always, always had that in me. Mm-hmm. Like there was a time when um, growing up in my small town, there was this one time that I remember that a woman got raped and it was in the news and it, I don't actually know the real story cause I was like nine years old, mm-hmm. but I remember how I felt. Like I remember being absolutely pissed off as wow. a nine year old about this woman in my town that got raped and I wanted to go out and do something about it. Like I wanted to catch this guy. I wanted At to help nine. the cops. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> so I can't tell you where that came from. Maybe like my love of Ninja Turtles or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I have always them. had that. Uh, yeah. My mom is actually the same way. She's, she's very conservative. I'm a lot more liberal, but, um, but she is very much like she stands up to bullies and and my dad's that way too actually so maybe it came a little bit from my parents and a little bit from um you know tv and movies and things like that but and just witnessing you know yeah and and you know educating yourself on like wait a minute this is unacceptable Mm -hmm. right and so you've taken this kind of this advocacy right Mm -hmm. you're this is something that that uh that you're that you're very proud of because you had talked about that you know equality is really important Mm-hmm. Uh, to you and to, and to recognize that. Right. So, so this, is this now, because now that you're, you're dating women and later, so you're about 27, was this when the idea for the book started to come through? Uh, the idea for the book actually started much earlier in life. I think I was like 18 mm-hmm. uh, when the idea started and it just kind of sat with me for years to the point where I think I was around 27 when I got serious about like, okay, I need to write this down. I need to get it out of me. And I always knew I was going to write. I just didn't know that's what I was going to write about. But it just seemed to be the story. Like I have a lot of stories swimming around in this head, but uh, (laughs) that one just kind of came forward as like the clear choice for my first book. Okay, because you had said that you had actually had gotten an email um, yeah, so I'll talk about that. Yes. Uh, and some people might even remember this. So when I was 18, which would have been early 2000s, it was a time when, I mean, this is before social media. So when you got emails, you were excited and you, <laughs> right. you opened like 100% of your emails and you read them. Totally. And I remember this email, it was a, like a viral email that a lot of people got. And like in hindsight, it was not a great email, but I didn't think about this at the time, but it was supposedly written by this guy who had gone into prisons and interviewed rapists. And he put together this sort of almost like a rule book for women, which is terrible and super victim blamey. But it was like he asked rapists like what they look for in their victims. And then he shared that information and I think I would find out later that wasn't a real email, <laughs> but right. at the time it, it like, I believed it. And some of the stuff that was in there was like, well, we look for women that are distracted and maybe drunk and wearing a mm-hmm. skirt instead of jeans and like all of those, those tropes that we're familiar with. But right. 
I remember when I read this email, my first thought, and I think that, you know, most women might at that time have read it and said, oh, like, okay, these are the things that I shouldn't be doing then. Mm-hmm. And it, I had the exact opposite reaction to it, which was, oh, okay, so if I do these things, I could make the creeps come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And so my wheels started turning, and that's kind of where it, the idea for a female vigilante that murders rapists came from. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting into the book pretty soon here. Yep. Because <laughs> that's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, how women are like, oh, well, then all of a sudden I shouldn't do those things, which is to me, it's just completely repressive. Mm, right? Absolutely. It's, if you want to wear a skirt, wear a skirt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not indicative of you being assaulted, mm-hmm. you know? So, Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so we got the email, which obviously seemed to kind of anger you. It riled me up. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> okay. So let's let's go into into this this novel. Um, it's it's amazing. Why a graphic novel? I actually did start to write the book, not as a graphic novel, but I just I started writing out chapter one in text, and I realized almost right away, like as I was starting to describe like fight scenes and murder scenes and all this, that I wasn't writing it in the right medium. And so really there was two options. One was film and the other was a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with graphic novel because writing is is what I know. Like I, I'm not in any way connected to the film industry. So it mm-hmm. just seemed like the more realistic way to get this story out. Mm-hmm. But it just, it felt like I had created almost like a superhero. She doesn't have superpowers, but right. it felt right for the medium to, you know, showcase these, these fight scenes. And it's, it's a very graphic, it's a graphic, <laughs> graphic novel. story. Yeah, and so yeah. I thought, well, this fits yeah. perfectly with graphic novels. And uh, I think at the time when I made that decision, like I was super into Alan Moore novels, like Mm-hmm. Watchmen and V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, as I started to get more and more into the comics medium, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this. I can figure this out. Because mm-hmm. I found that to be kind of interesting. Why you wanted to show um, violence and revenge in, in 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 that way? Like I'm I'm just curious as to. Um, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I think Fair it enough. just I I liked the idea of showcasing her power mm-hmm. like in the same way that i i love superheroes like i've always loved ninja turtles and you know different superheroes and like those the scenes in comics where they have a big fight scene and they're just so powerful and right i wanted her to be that right yeah and well i mean because graphic novels are huge right mm-hmm. they're absolutely huge and um and you wanted to talk about uh the crime right because the um, we had talked about this. You want to hone in on this particular crime, mm-hmm. which, which is rape and sexual assault, and why that? I think for me, the reason I wanted to hone in on that is because that's one of the only crimes where the perpetrators never seem to get caught. Like, And even when they do, they get off. Like, I think the stats are 97% of rapists go free. Yeah. Like that makes me, and that's just of reported rapes. Mm -hmm. So like that makes me sick to my stomach that there's 97%, you know, probably mostly guys out there getting away with this. Like it just really upsets me. And it's, you know, people view it differently than all these other crimes. Like if, 
if someone had their purse stolen, you know, like you wouldn't be like, are you sure you had your purse stolen? Maybe you wanted your purse to be stolen. You know, like the, right. like those same kind of questions that yeah. are kind of thrown towards survivors yeah. aren't thrown out in any other kind of crime. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's treated very differently. Very differently. Yeah. And Absolutely. There, and there's a lot of blaming and shaming of the victim. Exactly. Um, which is so insulting. Uh, exactly. Someone's only to begin with. Okay. So the demons of angel, uh, angels, sorry, the demons of angels and whose point of view are you, uh, are you doing this, um, book from? Um, it, it does show a lot of the main character, uh, Carell. Yep. Um, so it, I mean, it's, it's not written in first person, but it does show a lot of her, her life and, and what she, like her worldview, what she thinks of, um, there's also a secondary character that gets pulled into the mix. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of where our love interest slash LGBT representation comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So no, because th- this is interesting. Because one, I mean, we kind of want you to give a bit of a highlight of, of what the story is. Because um, mm-hmm. we we sort of we're kind of skirting around it, right? But um, so. <laughs> so it's basically the story is that this woman, this Carell is a vigilante and she is going after these abusive, assaultive men. Mm-hmm. And, and well, you can, you can describe the rest. <laughs> um, yeah, that, well, that's, that's my 11 second elevator pitch right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yep. But so, okay. So okay, now I got a few guys. Okay. One, was it intended that, that she actually looked like you? Because I did notice that when I read it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just to backtrack a little bit, I did not do the artwork for the book. I worked with, um, thanks to the internet, I worked with an artist out of Indonesia, actually. I went onto this freelancer hub and found this guy whose artwork and price tag (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of aligned with what I was looking for. So um, we collaborated completely online. Uh, So he was the one who came up with the... I like I gave him sort of like celebrity descriptions like Carell would look like a young Angelina Jolie and, you know, and mm-hmm. Shiloh would look like a Emma Stone. And you know, so <laughs> right, I had these right. ideas right. Um, that I gave him and that's kind of what he came up with. OK. And but having said that, like I did, you know, I did describe Carell as she has long, you know, dark hair and that's uh, I have long, dark hair. I think like there's definitely similarities between right. myself and I would say both of, of the main characters. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily intentional. Um, I just noticed it when I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks a lot like Haley. Not okay. entirely intentional. Right. Although Corel is meant to be like an absolute supermodel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not describe myself like that. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you wanted her to be a vigilante. And it's interesting because you've also made her queer um, slash mm-hmm. lesbian. What was the reasoning behind that? So it's interesting. I think, as I mentioned, like these characters are, there's a lot of me in these characters. And I think when I, you know, way back when, when I first started having the idea for this character, I can't remember, but I guarantee she was straight. And throughout the years of this story kind of weaving itself in and out of my head, um, you know, like when I was going through a bisexual phase, I guarantee she was bisexual. Okay. (laughs) And then uh, by the time I, you know, actually put pen to paper and started writing, 
uh, I would have been 27 and I would have identified as a lesbian. And so I made her a lesbian. Okay. No, I, I think it's wonderful. I don't, I'm not questioning it at oh, all. I, I just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, uh, and I think it fits too, like with her, you know, once you find out her backstory, mm-hmm. I think it would make sense that she yeah. would like women. Yeah. And, yeah. And, that, and that's the part that I really resonated with because again, there was things in there that I was like, oh my God, that's like literally taking it out of my, my page, not pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did find that to be very interesting. And also, again, it's, it, it's showcasing diversity, right? It's not just always about, you know, like how many times do we see, you know, the, the white guy, mm-hmm. you know, being the action hero. I mean, how many movies do we still have of that? Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice to kind of change that up. Why did you make her, um, a serial killer? Like why not have her, you know, be like, I'm just going to catch the bad guys and give them to the cops and kind of do that right thing. Mm-hmm. What? Because she, she says it in there. She's like, I'm a serial killer. You don't want to be with me. Yeah. Why is that? A couple of reasons. So one is, and this is true in like, even when rapists are caught, they get a slap on the wrist. Like we're talking a few months, Brock Turner, maybe a couple of years in prison, mm-hmm. maybe no prison time at all. Like it's just not treated with, it's not treated the way it should be. Like in my mind, rape is as bad as murder. Like right. you are, yeah, you're changing a life. Like when you- You're assaulting a life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so like if it's not- 25 to life that you're getting, then you got off easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, coming from the character's point of view, I like it just sending them to jail just wouldn't be good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And I totally forget the second point I was going to make. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just asking, like, why why doesn't she capture them and, and give them to the police? But you just kind of nailed that, right? And and why she's, you know, she's, she's a serial killer. And she says that to, you know, the, the gal that she ends up meeting. Like, you don't want to be with me. I, mm-hmm. I'm a serial killer. I right? think part of it, too, is the, like, the lack of reform. Like, I really, you know, I I do believe in second chances. I believe that people can change and become better people. I don't so much believe that about rapists. Like, I think that if you have it in you to do that, you just don't have it in you to like understand how much pain you could inflict on a person. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that like there's an empathy chip that's just missing and I don't know that you could ever get it back. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what I believe is that there's a very high rate of, you know, they're just going to go back out there and do it again. Right. And it's, so the only way to stop them is to stop them. In in this book, it's the, for her, it's the yes. only way to stop them is yes. to be, we just want to make sure that we're being clear yeah. with people that it's <laughs> yeah. only in this novel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do not condone violence. Yeah. I actually have like a, a little blurb written by the author at like, it's like the second page of the book where I, that is, I talk a little bit about that because I did not want people to think that I do condone violence. Yeah. And um, I'm just gonna, this is a fantasy of mine. It's not like a, absolutely it's never been lived. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I wanted to pull that up because I wanted to read that, um, because I actually did find it very important and, and to be clear, which is, um, it's called, you have a supporting change. While the story is fiction, sexual assault is not. That's why 50% of book proceeds, which is awesome, will be donated to sexual assault support services and prevention programs. I recognize the justice system. Um, sorry, I recognize the justice system all too often fails survivors. Uh, 
fails survivors of sexual assault. But despite the premise of this book, I do not condone violence. I believe in due process and and diplomacy, (laughs) and I have faith in a brighter future. Mm -hmm. So I think that was actually really important. And it's great that you put that in the book because, you know, we don't, we're not trying to set an example here and, and get people. <laughs> no, we're don't not. Don't take the law in your own hands. We don't need copycats. No, do not do this. But we're just, we're getting to the truth of this story, mm-hmm. which I, I really do find um, fascinating. And and from how you've described her, it does seem like the graphic novel was the best format um, to do that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. So what else did we have here? We already talked about now I have to go back to my other notes. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, so what are your, what are your hopes with this novel? What are you trying to achieve with that? Um, I think a few things like for one, it was a passion project for me. So I just, I feel so fulfilled having finished it. Like it was, it was more about me than anyone else. Um, but having said that, my hope is that there are other women or people out there that just gravitate to the idea that, you know, like diversity is good or that maybe we do need to think about sexual assault differently. And, and I think we are starting to, you know, we talked a little bit about the Me Too movement and, and this groundswell of, of change that's happening. Like you can feel it. Mm-hmm. The conversations are happening and it's out there and it's, I'm hoping that it's changing. Like I really do hope that people are having the right conversations about this. I hope that we can get the word consent put into all of our sex ed. I, you know, like yeah. I hope that parents can teach their girls and boys about sexuality and, you know, like all of these things. Like mm-hmm. I think it's so important. And so I hope anyone who reads it, I, I hope they pick up on that. And that was part of the intention yeah is to change and to open up dialogue Mm -hmm. right and to you know to have people start to talk and share you know their stories especially of victims to empower themselves again to take hold of their life and instead of living in shame and you know because abuse is very isolating right it can be a very isolating process and you know quite often people who are abused you know tend to feel like it's just them it's all about them. It was their fault. Mm-hmm. And so much of this blaming um, that happens to victims. And here we have this wonderful character, you know, who's just like enough is enough. So this is also showcasing your advocacy mm-hmm. of, you know, communication. We It's a difficult topic to talk about. We need to bring it to light. Because Absolutely. It, it's just the truth. And that's what, when I was reading this book and I'm looking at the graphics and I was just like, oh my God, like you really you bravely put it forward for people and, and you make it raw, right. And you make it vulnerable and it's just, it is mind blowing. So this is why we definitely <laughs> needed to talk about this. And, Thank you for saying that. Oh, it, it, it's absolutely so true. Like it's, um, you know, yeah, it, it is a difficult topic and some of the graphics are, you know, they're going to be challenging, but it's real. This is real. You know, it happens, you mm-hmm. know, and as much as we're trying to cover some things up, it's like, we have to talk about it. And you bravely share this with your characters and the supportive character, right? Who's supporting her partner through this process, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, she's awakened to the fact that, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. You're a vigilante and, you know, did anything happen to you type of thing? So we've seen the development of these two characters because, you know, she falls in love with her. What, what, um, what's her name again? The, Shyla. Thank you. You know, she falls in love with this, you know, 
the serial killer, mm-hmm. which is really intriguing. But she, it's like she senses what is underneath this woman, right? It's like, no, you're not. There's something more. Mm-hmm. There's something more. Yeah, she brings it up a few times. Mm-hmm. She does. Yeah, which is amazing, and she sticks with her. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I love that. I loved how this beautiful relationship was developing to give your main character just hope mm-hmm. and, and purpose that, you know, it's not just this one incident, that there is a life here and there is love and that there can be, you know, she can be lovable, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I loved how you showcased all of that. It was, it was really, really well told. So I'm pumping the book like crazy because I obviously <laughs> want everyone to, to read it. Um, and so what have you been doing with this book right now that you have put it out? Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot of kind of smaller little comic cons, if you will. I haven't done anything too big with it, but um, yeah, I've got print copies it's not available in a lot of uh, comic book stores just because I, so I self-published um, mm-hmm. and it turns out that is very expensive to do. Okay. <laughs> so, no, it. You know, there are pros and cons. Um, I don't regret it. Like I, I'm happy that I self-published because I, I wanted to get it out there as soon as it was ready. Like I was, the graphics took two years. So I was wow. just like, I was done writing it and then I had to wait two years and I just didn't want to wait anymore. And so I I had to get it out there. So I self-published it and I sell these print copies, you know, in person at little indie comics festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately it is a little bit more expensive to buy the print copy because of it's coming right out of my wallet. So I can't exactly do a large bulk purchase, but, um, and then it's also available on Kindle, Amazon and Comixology and Comic Central. Um, so there's digital and print uh, versions available. And which we're going to post on the blog so that people can click onto the links and hopefully donate to this cause that, that you're doing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. And and so now in um, that little blurb that I had written, you had donated uh, part of the proceeds of this book. To yes. To who and to where? Um, <laughs> so... It's kind of funny. Uh, I'll talk about that for a second because I reached out to, and I, I won't say the name of the group, um, and I was like, hey, I, like, here's what I wrote about, and I really want to donate my, pro- like, my book proceeds to you, and can I put you in my book? And, and they, they declined, actually, because they said, well, like, it's, it's really great, and we'll still take your donation, but we don't want to condone violence, and we just, you know, like the... Mm-hmm. The aesthetics of that just might be a little bit like we have to protect our brand and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so they asked me not to mention them by name <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> in relation much. to talking about this book. So mm-hmm. um, so I won't do that, but it is exactly what I said, which is sexual assault um, support programs and, and prevention services. So, Which is wonderful. That's amazing that you, you know, as, as expensive as this process is, you know, that you would still donate back. To, oh, absolutely. You know, to right. abuse victims, which is amazing. I, I mean, I remember writing a play and I also had a sexual assault in there and, and people are like, oh, the, the play is great, but mm. right. And so that in, in itself, because when you're creating this realism, it gets very difficult to get produced and published. Cause again, people kind of, uh, that's, that's a little touchy. It's uncomfortable. It, that's, yeah. that's the word, right? It's uncomfortable. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's uncomfortable going through it mm-hmm. as well. You know, like the more that we can showcase, it's not for shock value, it's for awakening. 
Exactly. It's for awareness. Exactly. Right? Yeah, which is which is great. So as we're um, coming to a close on this episode, what advice do you have for people who are listening in or, you know, part of the LGBTQ community or who have stories? What would you like to share with people? Um, geez, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Okay, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like you do you like just, Mm -hmm. you know, however your sexuality or your experiences evolve, like just, just go with it. Like I, you know, like whenever you're ready to share your stories or tell the world who you are, you do it, but it's okay not to. Um, and I, you know, like I would say what really helped me in, in coming out and, and finding out who I am was just finding representation. And so, you know, like if this book helps people do that, uh, that's fantastic. But I remember when Netflix um, first came out, like in 2013 or something, I got a Netflix account and I was like, holy crap, they have an LGBT entire category of movies I've never heard of. And I just watched like movie after movie after movie um, and just saw so much of myself in all of these characters that I had never seen in the mainstream before. So Mm -hmm. um, representation matters. Oh, it matters so much. And I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's important to, to seek out your identity and, Mm -hmm. and, characters that represent that it's super important yeah absolutely and be safe doing it it's always i think always about being safe be safe talk to someone find someone find a group find an advocacy group you know or talk to some counseling your family your friends wherever you're going to be safe about whatever topic whether that's sexual assault whether it's your identity whether it's you know trying to find your spiritual purpose Mm -hmm. you know just be safe in doing any of that Absolutely. Absolutely. So Haley, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Like this is, this has been mind boggling. And anytime, if there's any more information that we got, or you got a sequel or a prequel or something <laughs> like that, or, you know, it's coming into oh, the maybe. film. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. Please come back onto the show. Cause it Absolutely. would just be amazing. Thank so, you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Awesome. My pleasure. All right, friends. Uh, we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or someone, you know, is in immediate need of help, please contact your local authorities, distress center, or professional care provider. If you'd like more information on this episode or other topics, go to my website, ursulayourdone.com.